Welcome to Rem and Sam. Had to get some pre-work done, but we're locked in, we're loaded. I was ready for the pod today. I was, I was, you know, I was getting kind of hyped. I was getting kind of serious, you know, trying to get through NFC teams, rank them. Had to change it up at the last moment. And then our our pod plan got flipped because uh, probably biggest trade of the offseason. Uh, am I am I forgetting a trade? I think it's the biggest move of the offseason. Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Cavaliers. Quick run through through the trade. The Cavs are sending uh, uh, Lori Markinen, Okabaji, shout out Jayhawks, um, Oche Abaji. Sorry for butchering and making it one word. Colin Sexton, three first rounders in 25, 27, 29, and two pick swaps, 26 and 28. And all that just for one Mr. Spider Mitchell. What do you think, Rem? Just to be clear, Sam, you said the Cleveland Cavaliers, because that's not that's not the New York Knicks. You said the Cleveland yep. Cavaliers, correct? Yep, yep, yep. That would be the Cleveland Cavaliers getting Mitchell. What the heck, Sam? He was supposed to be going to the Knicks. Okay, Stephen A. That's what, oh my goodness. That's that's what we were being told. But Donovan Mitchell not going to the Knicks, going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sam, I'm always begging you to sneak in some some NBA segments in the NFL season. I didn't have to beg today. Thankfully, Danny Ainge is back at it. I guess I guess Kevin Durant never actually got traded, so this probably does. Unless you just count the Kevin Durant trade request as the biggest move of the offseason. <laughs> I mean, Rudy Gobert would be the only other one. Jazz teammate, yeah, Donovan Mitchell taking him to the championship. Apparently, the, the Timberwolves. Yeah, that's what Rudy said. <laughs> taking him oh, to I the better, finals. They probably have good odds. I better jump on those odds then. I don't know. He could probably buy him good seats though. But what it, what this trade does to the bottom of the Eastern Conference? This this playoffs picture now is shaping up to be kind of interesting, even with the play-in race. Like we know the top, we know who the top teams in the Eastern Conference are. Obviously, Giannis and the Bucks. you know, the Heat are going to be there. Embiid's MVP, you know, caliber player at this point in his career, the Sixers are going to be up in the top of the East. But Sam, you look at, you know, five on in the East last year, the Raptors were the fifth seed. The Bulls were the sixth seed. Brooklyn was the seventh seed. Cavs were the eighth seed. Atlanta was the ninth seed. Where does this trade put Cleveland now in this hierarchy? Raptors, Bulls. I mean, do we even have to throw Brooklyn in here with the disaster of this offseason and now Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, the upside that that group brings? Like, what does that do now for the bottom of this Eastern Conference playoff picture? With this trade, you start to see, and with the young stars that are in the East, I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift here. I think that it's definitely starting to balance out the league. For so long, the West was so dominant, and it still is number one. I mean, you still got uh, Curry and uh, LeBron on that side. LeBron's missing them, the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. With them starting to age out, you know, um, Kawhi barely plays. Paul George, you know, barely see them in the playoffs. Um, you know, we do have Doncic, but Chris Paul also getting old. You know, who knows what that team is without him? I mean, they were they were what near they were barely making the playoffs without Chris Paul. So. You know, with those older stars starting to age out and these new young guys in the East with Joel Embiid, you know, um, Bam out of bio. Each of these top teams has a young star. I mean, Jason Tatum out of bio, um, Giannis, uh, 76ers have Joel Embiid. 
Um, you know, the Bulls, I mean, DeRozan's older, but Zach Levine can show something, you know. Um, so with and Trey Young and the Hawks. So it's definitely feeling like the East is rising. And now with another young star in the mix, I mean, I'd argue now it, it'd be a, a very interesting argument, but I argue now that the East may be better than the West um, as a big picture. But in terms of in the East themselves, obviously we're still taking, you know, the top three guys over anyone in the league. Um, but depending on how good James Harden is, and top three, I mean, by the Heat, Celtics and Bucks, just because, you know, the Celtics with their team defense, the Heat, I mean, it's closer than it was before, but they're just more experienced than the Bucks. you know, just Giannis and conversations over. But with, like, I think the 76ers, you know, who knows how good James Harden will be, um, you know, with the Raptors, you know, they kind of, they definitely overperformed last year and those as well. You know, they had barely any time to mesh. Um, but I think, I think with, uh, mostly the for that spot for the fourth fifth spot um the Cavs got to mostly look at the nets to be the main team to approve to be the other competition because you know we just can't count out you know what ben simmons durant and Kyrie could all look together on one team so you know for them if i'm the Cavs, this next year you know obviously we want to compete with the top three but my main competition is going to be like the nets and that second tier of teams you know the hawks who knows what goes on with them because those top three, it's, I mean, they're all, they all could win, be, be in the finals easily next year. One of the big, well, maybe, maybe not issues, but I will call it an issue. One of the big issues in Utah was, you know, they're always, they're always a deep team. They always had a lot of good players, but it felt like Donovan Mitchell had to be the star on that Jazz team. And it was like, hey, when it's star versus star, like, what is, what is Mitchell? really when it comes to the hierarchy of the league, like how far can this guy take us in the playoffs on his back? And they're successful in the regular season, you know, a steady organization, 50 plus wins every year, high playoff seed, but just never able to get far in the playoffs, never able to get to the level of intensity they need. I think one of the reasons we can be so optimistic about this trade for Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland is one, I think that the roster around him is still, on par with what those jazz key jazz teams could put out there. You know, we'll talk about all that they had to give up in a second, but you know, does Donovan Mitchell even have to be the star on this team? I get, he's probably the biggest name on this team. He probably has the best resume and highest pedigree of any of the guys on this team at, you know, to where they're yeah, at in their point in their careers, but Garland as a ball handler next to Mitchell. And obviously the big, the big piece with the Cavs is Evan Mobley. And having Evan Mobley there as, you know, a two-way guy to provide the defense in the back line that Gobert could, but also to just give him another offensive element, a playmaker, perimeter defense as well that Rudy Gobert could never give him. So this whole Cavs team around him, at least, you know, the closing five that they could put out there, or just their top four, Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Jared Allen. Like, from an upside standpoint, that's got to be top, what, top four, top five in the East? It's probably better than what the Raptors could put out at this point. The Bulls, the upside no, with there. You know, the Hawks got better this offseason, but Trey and DeJounte and John Collins as your core. Like, you know, we still have some questions about that, especially with Trey Young as a best player on a team. So I think the situation becomes better for Donovan Mitchell because in a way it becomes easier. Garland is just a much better point guard than he's ever played with, and Mobley is a star in the making. Yeah, I, I think I think they they needed a shot creator. And I think it was really exposed in the playoffs. 
Because they definitely, I mean, they made it to the playoffs, but they got knocked out pretty easily. And it was because they didn't have a shot creator. And they were missing some pieces here and there. I think Ricky Rubio was hurt and stuff like that. But when you look at this roster, you know, you're kind of hoping Con Sexton could kind of turn into that guy who can take the ball and get your shot. You know, but at the end of the day, this team is looking to have playoff aspirations or looking to push the limit. And, you know, it's nice to get a young guy like Mitchell who has room to grow. And while Evan Mobley, you know, is, you know, he, he can definitely be the anchor in your defense. He can be a great connective guy on offense, you know, good playmaking. You know, he's not a shock raider. And that's why Cade Cunningham was the number one pick in that draft. Because at the end of the day, that's what you need. I mean, even if Evan Mobley may be a better player one day, just the way the game is played, you need a shot creator. That's why they had to go and get Donovan Mitchell if they really wanted to compete. And they want to compete. I mean, I guess this is it. They're throwing their hat in the ring. I mean, I personally think, you know, it's a really tough time to do that just because of how crowded the top of the East is where, you know, you give the top three guy. I mean, the top three teams, they're, you know, top three and that's it. Like you can't even question it at all. And who knows what else is going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are paid to win. And, you know, they'll they'll definitely get some wins next year. I mean, it's going to it's going to be there's no easy outs anymore in the East. And you may not think a core of Garland, Mitchell and Moby like you just, you know, if you put that up name wise against Durant, Simmons and Kyrie, you put that up name wise against Tatum, Jalen and Marcus Smart, like those those guys are obviously well more accomplished, much farther along in the careers, all even, you know, better better star players than those guys are. But you have to think about, you know, that core is not, is not finished growing. Garland and Mobley are both going to get better. And Donovan Mitchell gives them, like you said, the shot creation they need now, but he's still, still on the timeline with these guys in a, in a competitive way. I think the one question now that they have on their roster is they don't really have like a wing that they can throw out there. You know, a Coro, they took him early in the draft. He hasn't really been like a high level player that they've wanted. Seti Osmond's there as like a nice backup kind of guy, but not really yeah, he's not throw out anything. throw out in a playoff. So they still have question marks at wing, which in the East is going to be wildly important when you're going up against Tatum and Durant. But I think for now, you know, that starting four, like we said, is pretty solid. The Jazz, Ainge now, like we predicted earlier in the offseason, like I think a lot of people saw coming, even went back to when they brought Ainge in. To Utah, it's it's you kind of you kind of have to like read between the lines of a Danny Ainge hiring and be like, hey, why yeah. are they actually bringing this guy in? Because he's famous for rebuilding teams. And what do you know? This offseason, Quinn Snyder goes, Rudy Gobert goes, now Donovan Mitchell goes. Sam, they have three picks in 2023, and two picks in 2025, 2026, 2027, and 2029. Yeah, whole lot of picks, and it's. I mean, and you look at their team, and they're not horrible. I don't. I. I don't know. Maybe there's another trade in this. Um. I mean, I'm right now. Go. Yeah, they're gonna have to get rid of some guys like Bogdanovich, Bojan. I think they could flip him to a contender. You know, I'm pretty sure Malik Beasley is making a lot of money. He. I think he has a pretty decent sized contract. So I'd say you know. Maybe there's a couple more moves here, you know, who knows? Uh, I think, I think there's definitely one or two moves that could definitely be done. Yeah. Like you mentioned Conley, they'll probably buy him out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's rebuilding time in Utah. And because they've already shown, you know, the only way you can bring people to Utah is, you know, through drafting because because it's just the, you know, the, the reputation Utah has around the league. No one's going to go to Utah. I mean, and even if they didn't have that, I mean, like, yeah, I, it's kind of hard to sell someone on living in Salt Lake when you can go to L.A. or Miami or any of these other places. So, um, I you know, and now now that the team is all scrapped, I mean, it makes total sense for their moves. Um, I did want to touch on a little bit of the wing defenders that you mentioned. Now, while they don't have much depth, a lot of people are looking to have Mobley at the power forward and then Jared Allen center. So I think Mobley can take the main defensive guy. I think he's long and big enough. So, you know, for your Giannis's, your Jason Tatum's, for those guys, you know, I think you can have Mobley on him and you can have, you know, a Coral on that second guy. So I do think that, like, they, they do have at least one or two answers. They probably need someone behind him. I mean, you know, you don't really want to trust Kevin Love or, you know, LeVert can't really stop anyone. Chetty Osman is like you mentioned, but I, I, I think they're, they'll, they'll survive. And for their expectations, which is probably making the second round, you know, Western Conference, if you're lucky, um, it's, I still think that's a pretty good starting place. And uh, definitely with the growth of Mobley, he'll definitely be able to. He'll definitely, I think once he gets, you know, gets some muscle on him, and I haven't really looked actually that much at him versus Giannis, but um, I think that'd be a good matchup. And, you know, he, he'll be, he'll get the main assignment is the point. If Mobley all of a sudden is just guarding Tatum in a playoff series, like what what do we do with that Mobley at that point? I I don't know if he'll ever get to the can you stick him on Tatum for a whole quarter level of defense, but I think you know impacting Tatum going to the rim. Giannis obviously is a much more favorable matchup for Evan Mobley. Jared Allen is solid too as a center. Jared Allen, I guess you know if they just want to throw Levert into the three spot and just try to get points, and then just say hey. Mobley and Allen are just down here under the basket, like just try to come and score on us. You know, when you run pick and rolls, they'll be switching and just, you know, two seven foot guys in the perimeter anyways. And now all of a sudden, you know, three, three guys, Karis LeVert's reduced to the, the third, the third shot taker on the team. Maybe he has like a little Wiggins-esque resurgence. That'd be, that'd be crazy. I mean, him as a off the bench scorer, microwave kind of guy. I mean, it would definitely be nice to see him. He, he definitely has some stuff to prove. So I think having him off the bench is a perfect situation, kind of like Victor Oladipo kind of thing where it's like, prove it, go out there and show it. So we'll see. I mean, this is a team. I think they still need a couple players. They need to pick a couple pieces here and there. It feels a little empty now, especially with losing all those guys. Um, but yeah, if you want to break down into the trade, you know, who, who won the trade? The classic talk show question. Who, who won the trade? I don't know if this side has definite winners and losers, like say the Rudy Gobert trade did. The Rudy Gobert trade, you could just say, oh, I liked it for this side or that side. And I think we know which side almost everybody picked. This trade seems like it's a little more in the gray area. Like Mitchell, you know, you know, there's some version of it where he is quote unquote the best player on the Cavs this year. There's also some version, like we just said, he's the third best player on the Cavs this year. And, you know, now he's just a primary shot creator and he's reduced his role. So we'll just have to see how Mitchell is able to fit in with this core. But I think both sides got what they wanted out of this trade. You know, Sexton hasn't really panned out. They weren't going to pay him. Markinen is a lot of money. He's a nice guy to have, but long-term you're not, you know, he's not really a part of your plan. And like we said, he's, he's a lot of money. You're able to get out of that. I guess Abaji, Abaji's nice. We both like him. We don't, 
think he's probably yeah. going to be Donovan Mitchell in his career. And the picks are just the going price for a star player. If you're willing to pay it, you get a guy like Donovan Mitchell. So we'll, this trade feels like it's a little more in a little more vague when it comes to winners yeah. and losers, but well, vague, but you know, maybe we'll talk about the Knicks in a second, but in terms of jazz versus Cavs, I think this is a wait and see. Should I, should I cut my hair a little further back, get a bigger forehead? I, I might go Stephen A here real quick. It's Cleveland won the trade and it's not even close rim. I don't know how you don't see it. Lori Markinen, Abaji, Sexton, and and they had to pay Sexton too. It was a sign and trade deal, four years, seventy-two mil. I mean, oh my goodness, that's I mean that that's injury on top. Uh, that's uh, insult on top of injury. You know, that's about real quick doing quick money. Eighteen mil a year for Colin Sexton, a backup guard at best. I, I definitely think I understand the Jazz got all these picks, you know, but if they're able to keep everyone together, heck, even if maybe LeBron pulls up, you know, who knows? But if they're able to keep this team together, keep all these pieces, keep paying them and they'll win. They've already shown they'll win and winning, you know, winning cures all ills. That's all they want to do is win. So if they're able, they're able to, you know, keep them happy, which so far it seems like it seems like the guys like each other. You know, maybe, you know, Cleveland doesn't have that much, but hopefully they can keep them around. Those picks will be trash. I mean, these are a lot of young, proven players. I mean, they were a number one seed at one point when they were fully healthy, and that was with no star. I mean, Mobley, you know, starting to come into his own. He already was – people were talking about him for all defensive team as a rookie, you know. So this team is going to continue to improve. They've already – they're proven guys – not OKC Thunder where we're like maybe you know those picks make sense and so and these are not that far in the future I mean you look at these picks that's what uh yeah two three years four five six seven years and if you're keeping Mobley for his contract you know you're keeping your guys and so far you know yeah LeBron left Cleveland but Kyrie got traded you know Wiggins got traded a lot of the people from Cleveland didn't really leave like LeBron left because he's just that good but so far, Le- Cleveland has shown a history of keeping their stars around. I mean, Brock came back and won a ring. It was his home and blah, blah, blah. But I definitely think that Cleveland has a way of keeping their guys. They've shown already they want to win. And those picks aren't going to mean anything. And I think they fleeced Ainge. I understand Ainge is a mastermind, and he may come back to prove me wrong. But right now, looking at this trade, Lori Markinen is supposed to be a centerpiece of a trade with Donovan Mitchell. And, yeah, I said the – Value was going down for Donovan, but Allen's now it's tough. I, I think I think Cleveland really won it because of just because of the number of other players that were kind of interesting on their team that they could have had in the trade as well. Like at least Darius Garland. Like, come on. If you want to compare Ainge to Presti, all these moves are not, you know, necessarily about acquiring a single centerpiece, which could be it could be a problem. I don't think Sexton and Markinen are centerpieces of a deal, like you said. This is about the accumulation of assets. How many assets can I have and how can I put myself in a position to be able to make moves and just do things, you know, come draft time. Now I've two and three picks in every draft. I'm able to package those and move up, move down. They're just going to be able to do things and Ainge is willing to do things. If you want to compare him to Presti, Presti accumulates all these assets and just kind of keeps rolling them over and rolling them over and rolling them over. We just go, hey, Presti, what are you doing? 
Ainge has shown that he's willing to push his chips into the middle of the table and, and go for it if he needs to, to get young players. He's bring in Tatum. Let's drop Jalen Brown higher than a lot of people think he'll make moves. He'll do things. And it's how can I get assets and position myself to be able to do the things I want to do? Is RJ Barrett better than any of these players? Cause it looks like he was still in the trade talks. I think, I think the Knicks, while they may not have had, you know, while they may not have had as many picks in there, or like you mentioned, assets, I think they might have been able, they may have been able to, if they waited long enough, maybe get Emmanuel quickly or, or RJ Barrett, who are both ball handlers, need the ball. And for a team like this, I think it would have fit with the Jazz better than Laurie Markinen, Abaji, or, you know, I already forgot, Colin Sexton. So, you know, I, I understand it was like, you know, picks and stuff, but it's starting to catch up with OKC too. I mean, we're starting to look like you guys, you have all these picks and you literally can't draft them all. You literally can't keep them. Like you have to trade them. And that's going to start coming to bite him when he's trading with these teams. Cause they're like, Hey, why don't you throw in another pick? You know, you can, you have to, because everyone can see, you know, what's going on with their trade with all their draft picks and stuff. So yeah, I, I understand acquiring assets, but you know, at some time, at some point in time, you know, you do need a proven guy. And for how well Mitchell was in the playoffs, you know, I, I would have wanted a little more from both teams who could get a player with some upside. Because Markinen, like, he's a so okay player, but he hasn't shown upside. Sexton's kind of plateaued. And, you know, Abaji's okay, but we haven't seen any super, any superstar potential or even star. And I think they could have probably gotten, you know, even a coral, man, like something that you, some glimpse of hope. Like, I, I'm kind of disappointed with what Ainge got, but, you know, you know, he's showing he's he does have a proven track record. So, you know, maybe I'm just wrong. If you were the Knicks, would you have put RJ Barrett in a Donovan Mitchell trade? I mean, I wouldn't have, but like, you know, at the same time, if you start thinking about like how many points am I getting back, you know, production, you start thinking about the money. Then, I mean, eventually I think you would cave in. Maybe if Emmanuel quickly and some more picks could uh you know make them happy i'd do that instead but i think later as as fans start getting more anxious and stuff i think at some point you'd have to throw an rj because i personally don't trust rj but you know people say he can i don't i don't really see it you know and if i really want that backcourt i mean they're the same position you know it's just mitchell's obviously more developed and mitchell has already shown he can be a star in the playoffs so I, I, I would eventually trade him, but, you know, after seeing all of their avenues, and I think he was in some trade rumors. I don't even know if the Knicks even really wanted Donovan Mitchell that bad. I, you know, exactly. they're going to, they're going to come out of this as the loser. They're going to come out of this as the butt of all the jokes stemming again. out of the Donovan Mitchell trade. Once again, they miss out on a superstar, yada, yada, yada. You know, they spent all off season positioning themselves to sign Jalen Brunson. And when you're positioning yourselves to sign a player, it's a different offseason than when you're positioning yourselves to trade for a player. You know, they're actually throwing away assets on draft night, trying to clear up cap space to bring in Jalen Brunson. That oh was their goal gosh. for the summer. The Donovan Mitchell thing just kind of came about. And all of the news coming out about these guys talking wasn't, it never really sounded that serious. You know, obviously there were talks yeah. engaged, but I believe for what, like the last... I mean, July and August, they weren't even really talking. Yeah. 
So I can't imagine that the Knicks were that, you know, that set on got, getting a Donovan Mitchell deal done. Mm. I just, I just don't think the breadcrumbs were there. I think the fans were wanting to will it to happen. Like they do all this stuff, but I don't know if the Knicks as an organization were really wanting to give up the stuff it took to get Donovan Mitchell, especially with RJ Barrett there. Like you just know, that's what Ainge is going to try to get. Well, we'll see. I mean, with that Knicks trade, with the Knicks rumors, you know, it was a lot of, of course, you know, Stephen A putting pressure. I think a lot of fans were just mad about not getting KD and Kyrie. And yeah, even if they see the mess that it was, you know, it's old. Oh, well, if they were here, you know, they wouldn't be mad to think so. I mean, I think there was a little bit of pressure. Obviously, in the last couple of months, it just seemed like there was nothing coming out of there, like you mentioned. So at the end of the day, you know, it's well, it's wait and see because it's just like, you know, maybe, you know, Donovan Mitchell doesn't fit in and maybe, you know, the Jazzer just tank and get another French center. So, well, I mean, it's it's definitely I, I definitely think that, you know, the Cavs won the trade pretty well, but it's well, it's a wait and see kind of thing because the East right now is stacked. And I, I think I think it's definitely I don't know if it's even equal anymore, especially with. I think it's just the East is just far and above with how many MVP talents there are. Like it's it's crazy. So moving on now to football. Last week we covered the NFC AFC. This week we're covering the NFC. Football is starting this week. Ram, how excited are you to finally see some meaningful football, not just some preseason slugfest? excited am i to see a quarterback besides carson wentz sam is that what you're asking very excited i'm telling you man matt ryan is an interesting quarterback yeah i know we're talking about nfc but he i mean he keeps it interesting you know when you're down by like 20 he'll still keep the tv on he'll keep the viewers on you know down he'll, by he'll 20. throw some dumps <laughs> hey look those falcon games are rough bro hey i'm just saying i'm just saying it's just the point even if you're losing you know we're saying no you won't but if you are you know, he'll he'll keep trying. That's the thing with him. He'll try to bring it back. Yeah, hopefully the Colts are not not down by 20. That would be bad. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be horrible. Um, last so last time we went from bottom to the top, and then we ran out of time to talk about the teams that people actually care about. So this time we're flipping it over. Um, we're starting at the top, going down, and uh number one, numero uno. I'm going to be surprised if we don't have the same one. Do you have the Super Bowl champions as number one run it back time? I actually don't. I have Whoa. the Super Bowl. I have the Super Bowl champions at, at number two. Whoa. What? Who do you have as the best team in the National Football Conference? Let me just let me just say, you know, last week when we did the AFC power rankings, mm-hmm. I was uncertain of my list just because of how good the AFC teams are. You know, it's just, there could be a lot of variants because there's just a lot of good teams. They're all going to be beating up on each other. The NFC is the complete opposite. I I don't feel confident in my list because I don't feel confident in any of these teams. You know, I'm not a fool. I've been watching 20 years at this point. So I I know to just have Tom Brady number one. What? the, the, The Super Bowl champions slided at number two. So you have the Bucks at number one. Yeah. Wow. I am. I am. I am lost for words. 
I yeah no I I have them I have them pretty far down. We'll we'll get to them for a whole host of reasons that I have them pretty far down. Number, but still, you still have respect for the Rams. They're number two, and you know, deservedly so. Like we mentioned, Super Bowl champs. They are running it back with a good chunk of their players. Obviously, Stafford. You know, you still have Cooper Cup. You know, you still have Don or Aaron Donald on defense. You know, you still have Jalen Ramsey. You still have the coach. So they still have many of the stars, even though Von Miller is gone. Um, I think Allen Robinson is a very solid number two wide receiver. He has some really underrated years with the Bears and uh, Van Jefferson as a third. So I think I think that offense is going to continue to click. You know, maybe that uh, uh, O-line isn't as good as before. Also, Bobby Wagner on defense you know, with Leonard Floyd, it's, it's tough. Tell me why I'm wrong. Why, what, what are some things you're not liking about this team that you have the bucks ahead of the thing I can't get out of my mind with the Rams was they were built to win the Super Bowl last season. They pushed all their chips into the middle of the table. They got rid of all their assets to go all in and win the Super Bowl last season. And guess what, Sam, it worked. They were the Super Bowl champions at the end of the day. And I don't even know if it was from all the moves they made. You know, Aaron Donald is the best defensive player of our generation. He continued to be so last season. And they got the all-time wide receiver season from Cooper Cup, which if he doesn't have that, like just who knows what the upside of that team ends up being at the end of the day. But when you trade for Matt Stafford in his 30s, you know your Super Bowl window is going to be short. And they were able to get what they needed out of him. They got the Super Bowl win. Like you said, they are running it back. But this is the year after. I just, they're not going to be the same team that they were last season. And Stafford's, you know, a year older. He is dealing with injuries, even though he always plays hurt. And yeah. he, they, they spent, they, they bring in Allen Robinson, they bring in Bobby Wagner, they bring in guys. But I still have questions about this team. And like I said, I, this was a, a team for last year. And even though all of last year's guys on this team are still going to be good this season, this was still a last season team. Yeah, I kind of like my second pick, actually, my number two, more than my number one for actually winning the Super Bowl. But I do think you have to put respect on the name for the Rams. I think it's just an automatic kind of thing. And we'll get into a little bit of the issues I have with the Bucks. But when you start looking at some of these top teams, a lot of them missed big pieces. And, you know, outside of Odell Beckham, who was actually hurt in that Super Bowl, like, you know, it doesn't really feel like they're missing anyone too much. There's Von Miller, too. Um, he, the Buffalo Bills gave him that enormous contract. But, you know, they replaced him with Bobby Wagner. So I think, you know, it's a lot of reload. Now, do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. But I think when you're starting afresh, just considering that. And, you know, you have everyone behind them except for the Bucks. So I know you're putting, obviously, still think they're really, obviously, a great team. But, you know, that's why if you're starting afresh, just teams that are coming back with the same culture and that Stafford, you know, McVay, I mean, they're pretty well connected. McVay, you know, has already shown that he can work with pretty much a statue at quarterback and Stafford still has a little bit of juice. You know, we're not saying it's prime Stafford, but, you know, it's still a little bit better. So it should be McVay should be in the Hall of Fame just for getting Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. So I definitely trust him against with Stafford and um, and there's enough pieces around him. And I don't think Cooper Cup is going to get any worse. I don't I mean, I again, I don't think they're making a Super Bowl, but I do think that, you know, they're the most talented team. 
and or not no they're not i'll, I'll scratch that they're the most they definitely feel like the 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 easiest bet to right now just starting afresh not seeing anything unproved they're the most proven team is what i'm saying they're the most proven team that's what we're gonna land on most proven team my number two is what i think is the most talented team this is the most proven one and even with how proven you know you say they are their playoff run was not like a dominant playoff run last year they beat tampa by three points tampa didn't have any of their receivers and brady is still you know at the end of the game almost pulling it out by himself they beat San Francisco by three points. It's, it's a divisional matchup. We know San Francisco is a tough opponent, but they squeak out a victory there. And then they beat the Bengals by three points in the Super Bowl. The, the Bengals almost sneakily pulled that one out as well. So it was one of those, we barely got by. We did everything we needed to last. Like everything lined up. They got the players they needed. They got the season they needed from the guys. And they got the right breaks in the playoffs with, you know, Tampa's receivers going down. Luckily, they face Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. You know, they're not having to play the Chiefs, the Bills, any of these powerhouse teams. That's not even a diss at Joe Burrow. We just didn't expect him to be there. So, like I said, this was last season's team. Those guys are going to be good, but I can't have I can't have them number one knowing that this team was for last season, proven or not. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see where they're at. I'm really excited about this number two team. So let's just move on to them. Hot take. This is my hot take of the whole conference rankings. I'm planting my flag and this may sink or swim. It may make my career or break it. My number two team is actually in the same division. I'm putting the 49ers as the number two team in the conference. Lock it in, put it in the books. I just, I really like, really like how this team is built now with Debo Samuel coming back. You know, Elijah Mitchell hopefully getting a little bit healthy. They've already shown, you know, pretty much any running back works. You know, hopefully Kittle is supposed to be 100% healthy. You know, that O-line, you know, has shown to be consistent. You know, they do have a little couple questions. You know, that defense, that D-line still has Armstead, Bosa, and Kinlaw. You know, Greenlaw and Warner still as linebackers, EJ Mosley. You know, Jimmy Ward. It seems like they don't have Jaquazy Tart anymore. But, you know, every team feels like in the NFC is missing someone. And, you know, Jimmy G's coming back. You know, maybe he can help mentor uh, mentor Trey Lance. You know, even take over his spot if the, if the breaks start falling off. Um, you know, even Iowa state shout out, shout out to Brock Purdy, third guy back there. I mean, I don't think he's going to do anything, but shout out anyway, but, um, I'm excited for this team. I don't know. I don't know. I just got this gut feeling about this team. I, I kind of like Trey Lance. I don't know. Tell me why I'm wrong, Ram. Ram, call me down. I'm, I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling as red as their jerseys. Call me down. Where do you have the 49ers and why am I so wrong? I have the 49ers fifth in my power rankings. I still think they are a top five roster in the NFC, just top to bottom. The offensive line is solid. The defense, like we've seen the last couple of years, has been able to keep them in these close games to the point where Jimmy G has to just, you know, Jimmy G, their starting quarterback the last couple of seasons, he just has to reach a certain level of efficiency, keep them close, and then pull out a drive at the end of the game. Like that was the formula for this Niners team. It doesn't feel like that formula should be any different this year. It doesn't feel like that formula should be any less successful this year as well. This team was competing for NFC championships with Jimmy G at quarterback. 
Sam, if Jimmy G was their quarterback, would you have them this high? Or is this a Trey Lance upside pick? Because I think with Jimmy G in there, we know what we're getting. We know that that team can be competitive and we know that they will be in the mix. But now that Trey Lance is there, you know, we don't know what the floor of this team is, but we also don't know what the ceiling of this team is either. Yeah, this is definitely a Trey Lance upside pick. I definitely like that Jimmy G's still around. I don't think he'll play that much, but I definitely think that with Trey Lance in that offense, he just takes him to another level. He, now they've been saying he's inconsistent, and we understand that, but they always have their run game to fall back on. And having a mobile quarterback on top of just the amount of running schemes they already had, it just it explodes how much the amount, the number of plays now that Shanahan can do that, you know, now you can do option reads. It's just ridiculous. So, you know, even if Trey Lance is having, isn't having a day, you know, throwing, he can always use his legs and they've already shown that they can just run it down your go, go it down with their own running backs, Kittle. I mean, they just love to block. They love to run. So they're not a team scared to get great and grindy. And, you know, maybe I saw that 86-yard, 85-yard pass too many times from Trey Lance in the uh, preseason. You know, who knows? Maybe he has a cannon on him. But this is most definitely an upside pick. I think that defense is still good. Yeah, they're missing, you know, their coordinator. And that was a year ago where they miss him. But, you know, if they hopefully if they can actually stay healthy, I think Shanahan, he's definitely going to have this team competing in a weaker conference now with, Seahawks pretty much not, you know, who knows what's going there. And, you know, I mean, the Cardinals will still be competitive, but, you know, they'll, at least they'll have a free win against the Seahawks. So I have them at number two, just as an upside pick. If it works out with Trey Lance, if it doesn't, you know, I, I still, I, I'd still have them top five, like you have them. And, uh, but yeah, I definitely, I'm excited about them. I really can't wait to see them go. I think I would be as excited as you are about this team. Cause I, I do think if Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback, you know, he's one of the biggest mysteries out of the draft class. It's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance, Trey Lance. We know very little about him compared to the other guys in that class. And if he's going to be successful anywhere, it's going to be in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. We know he is going to get production out of the quarterback. I mean, if Jimmy G can win a playoff game throwing eight passes, you think there's got to be some formula in there where Kyle Shanahan can make Trey Lance, who athletically and just as a thrower can do more things that Jimmy G can do. He can open up their offense. We all know that's why he brought him in there. But this is his first full season starting. For a guy that has already not played a lot of football at a high level, he did have the season last year to watch. But again, he hasn't played. There is going to be an adjustment period, a learning period. And we're just going to have to see how long that that curve takes. Jimmy G has always been able to provide a solidity at that spot. And Trey Lance is just week to week, there's going to be a lot of variance. And when we get into playoff games and we get into close games, Jimmy G was able to pull out these game-winning drives and time and time again, be clutch for the Niners. And that is going to be that's just going to be a lot to ask a rookie quarterback to do week in and week out and come playoff time against more experienced teams, coordinators, better quarterbacks. And we know, even though Kyle Shanahan is going to get production out of him, there are more proven quarterbacks and decent rosters where I would, I would have them fifth. I would be comfortable 
with them as a sleeper Super Bowl team. But I'm going to go, I'm going to need to see Trey Lance, Trey Lance have the clutch gene that Jimmy G had before I move this 49ers up a little bit. But I, I, I want to do it. I love the 49ers, Sam. You know, I love Jimmy G. He's still there. So I still have a reason to root for him. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if things get too confusing for Trey Lance, they can just the ball. And Shanahan's already used to a quarterback who's limited throwing wise. So, you know, he can open up more Jimmy G's plays, you know, give him some easy throws, give him confidence, um, you know, and we've seen Shanahan's past. He's been great with quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Ryan had his MVP season with him. You know, Jimmy G was a Super Bowl winning quarterback with him. So are not winning, but thank God, <laughs> but Super Bowl quarterback with him, you know, so he's shown that he can get the best out of his quarterbacks. And so, you know, if it starts getting a little wild, I definitely can definitely trust him to rein it in. We know how much he loves to pound the ball. And I think that's what's going to win in the playoffs, as we've seen, is just pounding the ball and killing clock. I definitely think they have all the recipe. They have the recipe to win. They just need to make sure it actually cooks. So cooks well. So Jimmy G could also process to- really quickly. Oh, yeah. So Trey Lance, can can he do that? Yeah, I think he can. I, I haven't seen anything wild, but we'll see. I mean, you know, and if he's getting really, really crazy, hey, guess who's on the bench? Yeah, boy. So, you know, who knows? Number three, I had uh, the big bad man up north, Pac- uh, Rodgers with the Packers. You know, no matter how badly that team still gets stripped, we still got to go with – the team that, you know, has had the most wins the last three years. As you know, I've been on this LaFleur trend since day one, and it'll be fun to see this next year if he can keep it up because it'll definitely be his toughest season by far without uh, Devontae Adams. You know, at least he still has Rodgers under center, but, you know, this team feels a bit weaker than ever before. And uh, where, where do you have the Packers at? We agree on the Packers, Sam. I have the Packers sitting at third. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's the defense. But since since you've been the LaFleur guy during this run, you've defended him. You know, personally, I have not liked LaFleur. I get that he is successful in the in the regular season. They've had great records every year. He also has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. But in the playoffs, it does not seem like they have made the adjustments offensively that they need to do, especially against these teams that continue to beat them in the regular season, Sam. They come out and they do the same thing in the playoffs, and guess what? They lose. What is going to quantify a successful season for the Green Bay Packers this year? Because like you said, Devontae Adams is gone. They feel weaker at receiver, but the defense is still good. Rodgers is still there, and they still have the pedigree to where like, they've been 13-3 and three every season. They've been in the conference championship. If they, if they do that again, it feels like a successful se- season for this roster. But it's also the same thing they've done every year and the same thing we've been disappointed by. So it'll be interesting to see where the Green Bay fans feel, how they feel about this Packers season. But as the little uh, what quantifies a successful season for the Packers this year? Yeah, because I think last year was their Super Bowl and bust. I really feel like last year it was like everything's in, everything feels like it's coming together. This is it. You know, they have Valdez Gantling. They're really deep at wide receiver. Defense was kind of iffy, but, you know, Jair Alexander was pretty much letting nothing fly like that. And they choked, you know, and Rodgers himself choked. That's why, you know, he had to go through a whole mental thing. I mean, it was, I mean, it really got to him. So, 
now this season, you know, now where, you know, Sammy Watkins, Lazard is their number one wide receiver. And at least they have a run game, but it's, it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. And I think like you mentioned, even though it's the same thing that I've done the last couple of years, I think that they're going to be low key lucky to make it to the conference finals. Cause they're, you know, even no matter how good Aaron Jones has been really solid, it just feels like this year might be the first step in a regression for Rogers. We're not saying off the cliff, no Max Kellerman takes here, but it definitely feels like this is going to be the first of many steps to start getting uh, Rogers out of there. I am not, you know, quote unquote out on the Packers this year. I do have them at three on my list. It is because of the pedigree of the team. I am not confident in their ability to win the Super Bowl this year for the reasons I just laid out with LaFleur in the playoffs, but I am not out on this team because they lost Devontae Adams. I think Aaron Rodgers has actually shown that he can play with like, okay, receivers. He's pretty much done it his entire career. He won the Super Bowl with Greg Jennings, James Jones, you know, Donald driver at the end of his career, Jordy Nelson hadn't emerged. And outside of Devontae Adams, like, Randall, who's the best? Randall Cobb, you know, J- Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson's a good receiver. Jordy Nelson's not, 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 not going to go down, down in the books. So I th- this, this receiving core, I think will, will fit. It will be fine. I think the production from this offense and even maybe their record, like, I don't think that we dips all the way around, especially with their defense being solid. And now as we get closer to the season, it looks like their tackles are going to be healthy as well. So the offensive line will still have, Great players on it. You know, Bakhtiari will be back. Elton Jenkins will be back. But like I said, this team has just not showed up in the playoffs. LaFleur has not made the adjustments they needed. And I don't know if I trust Rodgers in these in these big games at this point in his career because just he just he hasn't he hasn't shown up. Jimmy G has been out dueling on the last couple of years in the conference conference championship. So it'll be an interesting season for the Packers. I don't know how to feel about him. I don't think they'll be less productive, but I I don't think they're any closer to the Super Bowl even in a even in a weaker AF a weaker NFC where Defense and quarterback, the formula, you know, you have the defense, you have the best quarterback. I still don't feel confident. Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. I agree with everything you said. And yeah, I think they're, I think it's actually going to be kind of lucky if they do make the conference championship or they're going to have to really need some players to outperform on offense because I really just don't trust those wide receivers. And Rodgers isn't getting any younger now, you know. Obviously, he's shown, you know, that he's still he's still one near his prime of his career. But, you know, at some point, some regression has got to happen. But, you know, at least they brought all back most of their defense. Their defense did really show up last year. Um, but, you know, it's you know, he's he's getting older. But for a quarterback who isn't getting who is starting to get into his the prime of his career, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals is who I have at four. I definitely, yeah, over the Bucks, man, it's tough. I definitely, it's definitely with this team. I think they ran into a lot of injuries at the end of last year, and I'm, I really, I just want to see it. I see, I want to see it running back. You know what I'm saying? I just got to see, and it's kind of weird. NFC, you know, three of their four teams in the top five. Um, you know, it's a lot of love for, uh, the NFC West, but I think it's well-deserved and, you know, where do you have the Cardinals at? I feel like I have the Cardinals in like a pretty nice spot. I'm, I've met at number eight. Let me just double check that real quick. I, excuse me. I have, I have them at number nine. Wow. You really don't like Kyler. 
I'm I'm not I'm not out on Kyler, but Sam, the last two seasons under Cliff Kingsbury, pre bye week, they're 14 and two. The last two seasons, post bye week, the last two seasons, they're five and 11. We know this. We know they don't finish season strong. They locked down Kyler this offseason. They do have some blue chippers on the roster, but it, it's I don't know top Lots to bottom. Top to bottom, to me, it's a little it's a little mediocre. Like their pass rush is going to rely on JJ Watt. He's still still one of the better pass rushers in the league. He's not one of the best. Marcus Golden's there is yeah. nice. The linebackers have not panned out. Like Collins, Isaiah Collins, Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. They're young, and I like you know I like uh-huh. Isaiah Simmons coming out, but they just haven't panned out. Buda Baker, they trade for their corners what? are. It it feels like a good roster. It feels like with Kyler and Kingsbury and some stability there, maybe they are able to finish a season strong. But until we see that, and until we see some of these young guys on defense take a step up, I would be I would be cautious to have them you know, outside of the wild card mix. Now I do think a lot of those times after um, that um, later in the season, I do think Kyler does start to get hurt. You can see the wear and tear on him. And I don't know if it's too much to do with Kingsbury. Now that record does go back to him in college as well. So, you know, maybe there is a little credence to that. But this team, like you mentioned, is kind of loaded. I mean, on top of Kyler, you still got Zach Ertz, who barely got any time to mesh in with his team. And, you know, him there with Mark, with Hollywood Brown, who, yes, had a lot of drops, but he's still a threat. He can still stretch your defense. Rondell Moore turned into a really solid uh, wide receiver. Uh, A.J. Green still there. Um, And then, you know, Connor James, uh, James Connor. He's still he's a very solid running back, and DeAndre Hopkins still he looks like he's suspended though. He'll miss the first six. Okay, because I was like, yeah, first six games he's out, but he'll come back, so that'll even strengthen their team more at some point. So he could be that second half of the season burst. You know, he could really take this team to the next level, and like you mentioned, that defense. I don't know. I think you're discounting some guys. Isaiah Simmons was, I think he was an elite linebacker last year. You know, Buda Baker, highest paid safety. Well, not anymore, but one of the highest paid safeties. He really, I mean, he, he, yeah, he got chased down by DK on that one interception, but he still took it really far. And this team really, I, I think, I think Kyler is just going to be better. You know, I, I, I think he's definitely an improving guy. Now he still has his weaknesses. Yes. But I think with them, they've been adding new pieces to that offense every single year. And um, so, you know, they've had a new kind of thing. And, you know, my thing with defensive coordinators and watching film. And so when you have a new wrench in there to throw at the guys and they can't really, you can't, you can't, you just can't prepare. They haven't seen him with Hollywood Brown. So I'm, I'm in, I'm in on this team. I, I kind of, I really like, I like guys with high ceilings who can overperform and, you know, I, I'm just everyone else in the whole division has kind of or everyone else in the conference below them. Let me see. Let me check my list. Yeah. Everyone else below them has already kind of shown who they are. And I don't really see any upside. And to be honest, outside of like the Bucks, who I have next, I don't see any other team really making a serious push for the Super Bowl. And we at one point had Kyler in the MVP talk. I mean, 
yeah, Kingsbury has his issues, but you know, this team at some point, the talent got to come through and looking at his team, even you got to admit it's full of talent. It feels like a take the leap team. You made the case it's there, but it's a take the leap team. If you're going to be in the four spot, you know, you got to have either a loaded roster or some pedigree and the Cardinals kind of lack on either. I'm not even a fan of their receiving core. Like you like Hollywood Brown. Personally, I have not been impressed by the last couple of seasons with the Ravens. I get he's fast. I get he can get open. He continually drops passes. Who's he's not, he's not going to out jump corners for balls. I personally, Hollywood Brown, I, he can be a part of an offense. If he's going to be your number one receiver, you're going to need questions. The Hopkins thing might be the one thing working in their favor. You're right. Cause they've always struggled at the end of the season. And now they just get to inject Hopkins in there, you know, after, after six games. So maybe that'll be the boost. They need to finally get over the hump, but Sam, like what, what do you see turning around for this team? Is Kyler Murray just going to stay healthy? Like with his size and his injury at this history at this point, he's going to stay healthy for a full season. This team is just going to JJ Watt too. This season, this team's just all of a sudden going to figure out how to win games. Like to me, that's just an issue. Like it's the same group of guys. At some point, you've either proven that you can win games or you've proven that you can't. And the the Cardinals, the last two seasons, have proven that they can't finish things strong. They just haven't. Yeah, but that was without JJ Watt, who was hurt. You know, Zach Ertz, I think, is still a very. I mean, I think he can be an elite tight end. So him, you know, and if you have him blocking as well, who knows what goes on with James Conner and Kyler is a young guy and I think he'll continue to prove and, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm mostly, this is mostly an upside pick as most of my picks in this one, but so many of these teams below them, just, they have the same old guys, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of the teams, it just feels kind of like hell hum, same thing. I don't know if there's really any room for growth. For any teams really below them, maybe the Cowboys, you could argue, you know, who knows, a Dak. But beyond that, like a lot of these teams, it feels lackluster. And I think this is the last team that really added pieces, that has pieces coming back, that has pieces that, you know, we haven't really seen together. And, you know, with dropping passes, I mean, with Hollywood Brown, that may be mostly mental, too. I mean, if it's in your hands, you know, it may be mental. Who knows? Maybe Kyler, you know, can throw better deep balls. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. And I mean, obviously it's a tough division. Like we mentioned, you know, top four, three of the four teams I have are from that division. So who knows? But I I'm definitely liking, I'm definitely liking the Cardinals a whole lot more than my number five team led by 45 year old Tom Brady, the Bucks. Rem, why do you like the Bucs, man? You already said they have a number one team. Tell me why this is the best team with the best chances to make the Super Bowl out of the conference. Well, this team doesn't get hurt last year. I don't see why this team couldn't be in the Super Bowl instead of the Rams. They almost took the Rams out of the playoffs without their guys. The start of the season is going to be rough for this team. The offseason wasn't the best. Brady had an interesting offseason. They have a ton of guys recovering from injury. But Sam, we're trying to win the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is not until February. This is a long season. And you're telling me that over the course of a season, as Godwin and Mike Evans, Brady, these guys get healthy. They get all back together. The defense comes back. They're basically running back the same defense they've had for the last couple of years. You're just telling me that that team is not by far and away the favorite team to win. 
to win the Super Bowl thing when we're coming into the playoffs and we have to win three games and it's Brady versus this team. It's just one game. Okay, let's go to the next team. It's Brady versus this team. It's just one game. Okay, and next thing you know, we're in the Super Bowl. They're winning the Super Bowl. That's what happens with Brady every year because this guy's just impossible to beat. And Sam at 45, I'm not, I'm not going to doubt. Why would I? He's been destroying the league for 20 years. He's been making people look stupid for 20 years. So I, I get that at some point he's going to have to take a step, but he picked this Tampa roster because it was a roster that was ready to go and they just needed some sort of lift at quarterback, some above average play at quarterback. Oh, what do you know? We get Tom Brady. So this roster is built to go around an average quarterback and they have Tom Brady in there who will continue to give them above average play. Pro Football Focus had him graded out as the second best quarterback in the league last year. And I think we looked at Brady at times and go, oh, is he slipping a little bit? Oh, was, you know, this, this guy's elite. This guy's going to beat you in the playoffs if his full team is around him. And by the end of the season, if things are trending the way that they're trending, this team's going to be mostly healthy. The center position, question marks there. But outside of that, this team is going to be fully healthy by the end of the season. And if we're thinking long-term, we're ranking these teams for winning the Super Bowl. I don't know, one, how you can pick over Tom Brady, and I don't know how you can, can't look at Tom Brady on this roster and go, yeah, once again, this is the team to beat in the NFC. So it looked like they lost Richard Sherman. They lost Ndamukin Saw. They lost Gronk. They lost JPP. Um, He'll get Gronk back. He'll be back. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It looks like I'm just saying this team lost a couple pieces here and there. You know, I mean, yeah, they still have Levante David, Shaquille Barrett. But that D-line does look a little weaker, you know. Um, you know, their center, their cornerbacks, you know, are really, you know, I don't know, like Murphy Bunting, you know, who, you know, I have questions about that. And like you mentioned, it is Tom Brady, but like you mentioned, it was a weird off season. He's 45. Are we really trusting, you know, who knows what we get out of Julio Jones, Russell Gage. I mean, yeah, you have Godwin and Evans, but they, like you said last year, they haven't shown that they can stay healthy. Um, I do like that they did get Kyle Rudolph, you know, he's an older guy, less decreasing, you know, um, production, but you know, I know Tom Brady loves those tight ends. Um, so he'll find them, but I'm telling you, I mean, yeah, they'll be the best team in their division by far, definitely. But I, I don't know. At some point you got to see some cracks in the armor. There's no way Tom Brady you know, sitting at home a lot, you know, who knows, not really being with the team as much as normal. There's no way he's just going to come back and it's all going to be normal. There's, there's just no way. At some point, he's got to be old. Not going to be the one to say it because Tom Brady is going to make me look stupid. He's going to take it personally and use it as fuel to motivate him. Sam, that's all you've done is fueled the fire of Tom Brady, which is the hottest fire you can possibly touch. So good Good luck getting burnt by the flame of the flame of Tom Brady. I just, I, how, how, how do you do it, Sam? How do you pick against him? How do you have Kyler Murray over Tom Brady and feel confident about it? I have Kyler Murray with his offense and the playbook that kind of compliments him and his legs over Tom Brady, 45-year-old Tom Brady, you know? Who, who knows? I mean, obviously, I'm at the same age. You know, obviously, every night and day, I'm taking Tom Brady, but... Um, so just for a low review, I'm just telling, I'm just telling you by the end, the end of the season is going to come and the, we're going to all be looking around going, yeah, at, the bucks are probably going to be coming out of the AFC.
We'll see. Or we'll be like, oh, we should have seen that a 45-year-old can't survive in the NFL. Who knows? All right, so who? just as a little review, who do you have as your top five teams? So my top five teams. Number one, I have Tom Brady and the Bucks. Number two, the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. Okay. We both have the Packers at number three. At number five, I already mentioned I have the Niners. The number four spot, I have the Philadelphia Eagles sitting at the number Oh, wow. I have them at number six. So you said you had the Eagles at number four. Who do you have at number five? The Niners. The nine. Oh, my goodness. All right, man. You got to explain yourself. Why are we trusting Jalen Hurts and Nick Sarani over your boy Jimmy G or Trey Lance, probably Trey Lance, and a Super Bowl multiple time guy who's gone to multiple Super Bowl coach, Kyle Shanahan? Well, I laid out the, the you know, what is Trey Lance going to do when it comes down to these high intensity playoff moments? It's his first season, his first full season starting. Jalen Hurts already has a season under his belt. I think that has to be taken into consideration. However you want to perceive his season last year, the fact that he did it and, you know, has now gone through the offseason as the starting quarterback potentially will come back better this year because the history of Jalen Hurts is he improves every year. He's done that his entire career. So just as a, as a second-year guy, to me, that puts him above a guy like, like Trey Lance. And I think from a roster standpoint, this Eagle is just as the Eagles roster is just as good as say like the Niners roster is who we look at top to bottom and go, Hey, if insert any quarterback into this, any above average quarterback in this team, it's going to be good. Same with the Eagles. They have the deepest defensive line in the league. They draft Jordan Davis and add him to a collection of guys like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jeron, Javon Hargrave still there. Yeah. Josh sweat. The pass rusher has been really good the last couple of seasons for them. So they have the deepest defensive line in the league. We know getting pressure on the quarterback is one of the most important things you can do to win the Super Bowl. They also have one of the best O-lines in the league. Jalen Hurts was the most well-protected quarterback in the season last year. If you go quarterbacks with the most time to throw in the pocket, he led the league. So he's going to have time to make to make decisions back there. And Sam, you love the team that adds the new piece to offense. Well, this is team is, brings in A.J. Brown to a receiving core that has been lackluster for who knows how long now it's AJ Brown Heisman Heisman trophy winner. Devonte Smith is now all of a sudden your wide receiver too. That becomes a much more appealing wide receiver core and Jalen hurts last season. I know a lot of people saw him and watched him and we thought he struggled, but some of the numbers that for him as a passer are actually kind of decent. He was fourth in the league in average intended air yards, which would be like, you know, how far you're actually throwing each pass down the field, one of the most aggressive quarterbacks in the league last year. And of the guys that were in the top 10 in average intended air air yards, so the the 10 most aggressive quarterbacks in the league, Jalen Hurts was second only behind Russell Wilson in that group in interception percentage. So he was actually an efficient quarterback as well as an aggressive quarterback. You give him receivers, you're going to give him time to throw again this year, and you're going to give him a whole offseason to be better. With a defense, I think the Eagles at least have to be looked at as a serious team in the AF, or the NFC. Yeah, I have them top six. You know, I have them right outside. You know, all the guys I consider serious contenders, and you Including know, the I think they're right on the line. Well, I think I have them six, so I have them right on the line. You see, like you mentioned, I do like teams that add 
interesting wrinkles on offense. But the thing is, is that it needs to be on top of an already good foundation. Difference with the 49ers is they mostly have most of that core who was in the Super Bowl. They have a quarter. uh, 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 They do have the coach who's seen pretty much everything, you know, besides actually winning the Super Bowl. And, you know, they still have Jimmy G, a proven veteran quarterback or uh, wide receiver. And that's why I have the 49ers above them. As for the Cardinals, it's just, you know, Kyler Murray showed us his ceiling. I mean, they show he showed us that he can be an MVP guy. He can carry his team. Um, And, you know, that time they beat the Bills. And, yeah, it was a hell Murray. And it probably shouldn't have been in that situation. But they've shown that they can tangle with the top guys. We haven't seen that with Jalen Hurts. And while, you know, while you mentioned, you know, he's probably is an efficient guy, there were some really rough moments last year. This team has been so up and down ever since that Nick Foles Super Bowl. In fact, it's actually pretty interesting how that Super Bowl actually reaffirmed a lot of their bad um, habits and led them down a bad road. It's only Nick Sarani's second year coaching at all you know, in terms of like a head coach, high level, you know, and they're also in a weak conference or division. So they really haven't been tested. I mean, each of those wins, you know, 49ers have, they constantly get tested and the Cardinals, like we mentioned, these are high level guys. They have to play constantly against each other. They're competing against each other. And, you know, who do the Eagles have to deal with? The Cowboys, Giants, you know, know, the Commanders. So while he may have had really efficient last year, I mean, you got to look at the defenses he was playing. He's not really facing the cream of the crop here. So I and that's why I do have him as a big jump still, obviously, with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, like you mentioned. We still, you know, we're still giving him due as six. But when you look at every single team I have above them, I mean, the Rams just won a ring. The 49ers, like we mentioned already, the Packers, we have Rodgers, and the Cardinals, you know, like we mentioned already, and the Bucks, you have number one. So each of the teams above them have shown that they can get it done at the highest level. Now, not at the Super Bowl, but they have shown that they can compete with the highest teams. And we haven't seen that from Jalen Hurts. We just haven't. I mean, maybe there's been one or two moments, but – I personally don't remember anytime Jalen Hurts, I've seen him on a high stage and be like, okay, we can consider him an elite quarterback. And I don't know, maybe you've seen it, but I haven't seen him shown to be an elite quarterback. So that's why with him, I've approved it. Reason why I don't have it with Jalen or not Jalen Trey Lance is just because the way that offense can run, they just don't need him to be great. I mean, they've shown they can do it with average play from Jimmy G. So they just don't need him. Well, I think this team needs Jalen Hurts to be great just because of the inexperience of Sorani, he doesn't really have an identity. I don't know, last year, you know, and he's only had two years. So, I mean, one year, so it makes sense. But with all these pieces, I, I it definitely feels like it's going to be a figuring out year. They still have to figure each other out. And that's why I have him a little lower. And I mean, it's not like we're totally different here, but I, I, I definitely, you know, I, I got to give the guys who've shown, who have the resume, their respect. Next team, number seven, I got to go with the Vikings. I'm telling you, Justin Jefferson, Thielen, and that team, I mean, yeah, they don't have Kyle Rudolph anymore, but Dalvin Cook in the backfield, um, you know, they've been trying. They've been trying a little bit. They always, you know, tease Kellen Mond here and there, but 
Kirk Cousins, I think, is the quarterback who I, you know, who I would say people think struggles, but is actually really solid. And, you know, we may hate on him a lot. The team, you know, may be underperforming a lot, but it's, I mean, they continue to be a really solid offense. Their defense, you know, is up and down. But now we're starting to get into the gray area. I mean, we could have, what, six, seven other teams at this spot. So that's why I got to go with the Vikings. Like I mentioned, like I always go with young guys who can get better. And Justin Jefferson has shown that he can be one of the best wide receivers in the league. So who knows how far he can really push Kirk Cousins and uh, to be a better guy. And, you know, Dalvin Cook's still there. So at least they'll still have their offense. And at this point, I'm just looking for elite anything. The Vikings have been kind of pegged this offseason as like a real low-key sleeper team, mainly because the Packers lost Devontae Adams. Are they going to take a step back this year? And if they do, who's going to take their spot? Well, the Minnesota Vikings would seem like the natural team to do that. And you just laid out all the talent that they do have there. But Sam, like, they they couldn't win games. They couldn't win games last year. That's true. They, They couldn't close out games last year. Go through their losses. Week one, they lose in they lose to the Bengals in OT. Dalvin Cook fumbles the ball in the Cincinnati 38-yard line. They're driving, they're driving to win the game in OT. Dalvin Cook fumbles. Bengals kick a field goal. They win. Week two, they lose on a missed game-winning field goal. They lose 33 to 34. Week four, they lose to the Browns. They have the ball fourth and three on the Cleveland 43 with a minute left in the fourth. Don't get it. Lose. They lose to the Cowboys by four. They lose to the Ravens in OT by three. They lose to the Lions in week 13. They lose by two points. That's the Lions' first win of the season. Time and time again, they're in these close games, and they're just not finding ways to win them. Their average margin of defeat last season was just over three points. So we're talking about field goal difference in all of these losses. So I don't I don't know if that's something that they can fix. Is that a Mike Zimmer problem, Sam? He's gone now. Kevin O'Connell, the Rams' offensive coordinator, is in there. Is that something he's going to be able to fix? Because this is the same group of guys they're running back. Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback. Maybe it's just a byproduct of having an average quarterback. They were 8-8 eight and eight last season. 8-8 eight and eight is average. Or not 8-8. Eight eight. I guess, you know, 9-8 uh, yeah. nine, nine now in the new season. But Where do you have them ranked? I'm, I'm as the eighth team in the NFC. Okay. All right. So we're pretty close again. It seems like our lists are matching pretty well here. I think you just made an argument for why they'll improve next year. Because, you know, maybe with an offensive-minded guy that can open up that playbook. I mean, they've shown they have the playmakers. So, and like you mentioned, they score a couple more points in these games, and they probably win most of them. And I, I think you made the reason, a really good argument, and a reason why, and we'll go into college football a little bit, of why last year, you know, Nebraska fans say that their 3-19 was the best team ever. Because it was always so close. You know, Herb Street hasn't picked as them being in the Big Ten championship this next year because they're going to flip, you know, they flip a couple of those L's into wins and they're dominating. And I think the same thing happens now with the Vikings. I think they're definitely gaining confidence with Jefferson in that offense. Another offseason of them all working out together. I don't think I think that always can't be discounted, which is why I'm so high on the Chiefs right now is the offseason putting in those hours, getting that chemistry, working together, and having really that chemistry with your quarterback. And I think having a whole offseason with Jefferson, Dalvin Cook is coming back. Um, now with an offensive-minded guy coming into that offense, you know, who has worked with limited quarterbacks, you know, guys who can barely do much here and there, but, you know, have a and run games, strong run games. 
I mean, their, their coordinator is coming from a system that he can easily implement into this team. And like you mentioned, Rodgers, that team's kind of down. They can get easy wins on the Bears and Lions. You know, who knows what happens with Justin Fields, and we'll get into those two other teams. But, I mean, those team, two teams have to be wins. So, you know, their record is just going to be better this next year. And I think the margin of victory is something you brought up with now that they got Zimmer out of there and they got someone who actually knows, hopefully who knows what he's doing with the offense. I think this next year, I think you just made a case for why they're, why they will be, why, why they'll be better next year and why they could be a sleeper team. And I, I could see them being higher in the rankings. Sam, do you know what Kirk Cousins career record is to this point? No, what is it? It's 59, 59 and two. He is a perfectly 500 quarterback. And yeah, last season, it may have been a Mike Zimmer problem, but it's also just probably a byproduct of having an average quarterback as your starting quarterback is you're going to end up at the end of the day, being an average team. That's going to be a hard thing to overcome. If her cousins is just going to be starting the whole season again, you're still going to be average, but Justin Jefferson is going to be the thing that fixes that. If it is a Mike Zimmer problem and Kevin O'Connell is able to come in in there and rework the offense around Justin Jefferson, that is going to be what they're going to need to happen. And we're talking about needing like a real historic season for Justin Jefferson here, because what is really the history in the NFL of the receiver position, elevating a team above what really we thought their expectations were. And we're not talking about good receivers on teams that end up being good. We're talking about receivers that are elevating the ceiling of their teams. I mean, mean, go through NFL history. It's what Steve Largent in 1983, when, the Seahawks made the conference finals when he should have. Is it T.O. in 04 when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl? Fitzgerald in 08 when he carried the Cardinals to the Super Bowl? Last year, Kurt, uh, Cooper Cup? Like, it's it's four or five guys, you know, throw in Jerry Rice's whole career if you want to. We need Justin Jefferson to take a major step up. From, you know, in fantasy, he he may put up the numbers, the production, maybe. It, it may be a great season for Justin Jefferson. I hope he do, I hope it happens because I have Justin Jefferson fantasy and I need it to happen. But if we're talking about impact on a football field, like that's a real elite level that Justin Jefferson needs to get to. And it's just, it's just, it's a lot to ask of him, especially when, again, you have an average quarterback as your quarterback. So if there's anybody in the league that has the potential to do it, it is him. He is ready to take the step to be the best receiver in the league, but to have the impact of, Hey, can a receiver, like how far can that take us in the playoffs? It's just, it's a historic ask of him. Yeah, and I don't think it should rely all on him, and I don't think it will because they do have Dalvin Cook back there. You know, they still got, you know, who knows what happens with Irv Smith and that tight end role. But he also has Thielen, you know, and they still have some interesting pieces here and there. Again, like you mentioned, they have the Rams offensive coordinator as their coach, so they'll figure some stuff out. And, I, I mean, I think Jefferson will be the guy at the end of the day. But, you know, who knows? I definitely really will be interested to see how, if they're able to really execute the play action well, I think they could really tear up some teams. I mean, and really get, if they feed Dalvin Cook and he has another elite season, you know, it'll definitely take a lot of pressure off of Jefferson. So I I, I think Dalvin Cook is just shown to be a running back when enough that they won't need uh, Jefferson to be otherworldly. They'll just need him to be elite again and pretty much do a little bit better than last year. Or so number eight, 
I got how about dumb cowboys? I mostly put them, you know, pretty much here now in the middle of the division or the conference because, yeah, but once you start getting below them, then we're starting to get into some really bad teams. And, you know, I still, with Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, you know, you can't put this team too low. It's uh, it's a roster that, you know, it's, I mean, they have, they definitely, you know, CeeDee Lamb showed some stuff last year. Uh, Gallup, you know, he's also a little banged up. This O-line is, you know, taking some hits. They're definitely not as strong. And the defense, you know, I don't, there's no way Trevon Diggs has the same season as last year. You know, he's already getting cooked in practice. And, uh, you know, outside of Vandrask, I don't know, you know, Micah Parsons, I don't really know. Um, and they lost Randy Gregory. So this team, this defense definitely will take a step back. But where are you at with the Cowboys? Where do you have them ranked? And how much do you like Dak this next season? Yeah, I, I, have, I have the Cowboys at seven. We both have them in the middle, even though they're favored in like everything to win the NFC. And they're one of the highest favored teams in the NFC to come out of the conference. It's like it's like as long as the Cowboys just have an elite, a couple of elite guys somewhere, they're going to be overrated. And guess what? We're back at it. The Cowboys are overrated. You know, they have an above average quarterback. Good for them. Dak Prescott's there. CeeDee Lamb, potentially, potentially an elite wide receiver. We both really like CeeDee Lamb. Micah Parsons, could he be the best defensive player in the NFL this season? I wouldn't even be shocked if if you told me that that was going to happen. If you told me Micah Parsons was going to oh, be defensive not a, player. Not a league with TJ Watt and Aaron Donald. Okay. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he better than Aaron Donald? You get what I'm saying. But like we're talking, like, could yeah. Micah Parsons win defensive player of the year this year? I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Mm-hmm. So they do have blue chippers around. Dan Quinn was able to get that defense to play better than we thought it was going to. But Mike McCarthy is still there as their head coach, which is ultimately probably the number one reason why we're both out on the Cowboys. But we're both just building in the disappointment at this point. Like we could have the Cowboys third. We could have the Cowboys fourth. We could be high on the Cowboys, but we are just building in, I think, the disappointment because we know come playoff time, the Cowboys are going to be right in the middle like they always are. And I know it's splitting hairs, and it's actually one of the interesting deep dives between Kirk Cousins versus Dak Prescott. But uh, why do you have the Cowboys above the Vikings? Because I kind of, I don't know. I just feel like, especially with the Cowboys losing Amari Cooper, I definitely feel like the Cowboys have taken a further step back than the Vikings. I don't know if the Vikings have really taken a step back at all. And despite, you know, even if Ezekiel Allard is solid this next year, I don't know if he'll be elite, but um, I know it's pretty much splitting hairs, but what do you like with the Cowboys more than the Vikings? It is the Micah Parsons thing. He is like a real blue chipper on defense. The Vikings don't really have that. They have kind of a kind of an average kind of an average defense. And Dan Quinn, like we said, was able to coach up that defense. I mean, Javon Kurtz was one of the better safeties in the league last year because of Dan Quinn's defensive system. Could he do that again? Those, you know, it's it's little things like that on defense that push the Cowboys up. Offensively, I think they're both on par. And Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are very similar at quarterback. And I do think Dak Prescott is slightly better. I'm, you know, the Cowboys at seven feels fair to me. Feels like they're sitting right in the middle. I mean, but if you told me Justin Jefferson was just going to pop, pop off and the Vikings were going to be better than the Cowboys, I wouldn't be surprised either. But the blue chipper, Michael Parsons on defense. I he, he's, he's too good, Sam. He's too good. He's better than anybody the Vikings all have. All right. I get Daniil Hunter. Hi, on Mike. Hi, I'm Michael Parsons. All righty. Well, well, I know yeah, he was really Parsons good last guy. year. No, I, I, I definitely see where the love is coming from. He was really good last year. And, you know, we'll see if he can replicate it again this year. But it did feel like that team dig defense got a little lucky with stuff, especially with Diggs, man. Like, 
All of those interceptions. There's no way. There's just no way he can come back um, this next year. Um, the next team that I have at number nine are the Saints. Looking at the team, it was mostly mostly a decision because of um, well, wonder one just having Jameis Winston as their as their guy. You know, as their main guy, kind of scares me. You know, his ups and downs, and also losing. Sean, um, Sean Payton, when, when he retired in this offseason, right? I'm not, I'm not spazzing here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, losing Sean Payton, they're just going to take a step back. It's just, just the way that it is. I mean, losing this Hall of Fame coach, I don't know if, you know, maybe people would cover Hall of Fame, but he's definitely considered one of the best coaches in the league. And, you know, no Drew Brees, that era is gone. So who knows how this works, but I mean, they have some interesting pieces on offense. I mean, they still have Thomas coming back. I mean, their defense, you know, they did lose Marcus Williams. Um, I know they lost another piece, but they brought back Matthew. They still have Lattimore, who's known really well as, you know, he's one of the better cornerbacks in the league, probably one of the best. And their D-line's still dangerous with Davenport and Jordan. Um, but you know, losing Peyton and you know, ja- James Winston's up and downs. You know, hopefully, Kamara can stay healthy. Who knows how much Thomas can stay healthy? This team is it's starting, it's the beginning of the boring teams in the NFC. The defense on this team is still pretty elite, so that's going to carry them up a long ways. It's going to carry them enough to where I actually have them as the sixth team in the conference just because I like that defense so much. Oh, okay. That's going to keep them in games. But the Sean Payton thing, like you said, it cannot be understated. I think one of the reasons we liked Winston in this offense was because we had just watched Sean Payton scheme up an offense around a noodle arm, Drew Brees, for a half a decade. And it's, you know, can we bring in Jameis? And he he's not going to be as accurate, as smart as Drew Brees, but the field's going to be more open. We can do more things with him. Perhaps we can turn him into an efficient quarterback. And Sean Payton was kind of doing that before Jameis Winston got hurt. He was five and two as a starter. His interception percentage was down to a career low. It was under 2%. It was 1.9. His career average up until that point was three and a half percent. So that was lower. They were getting efficiency out of him, but Sean Payne's not there anymore. And that loss cannot be understated. And even with that five and two record that Winston had, mm-hmm. they lost to some kind of weak teams. Their two losses were yeah. to the Panthers and the Giants, but the defense is still there. And I think teams, even when they lose the coach, can have one good, like really good carryover season where it doesn't really matter, especially since most of that Saints coaching staff has been there under Sean Payton, has been there for a long while anyways. You know, the infrastructure does stay around in a way, even though the main guy is not there. Tony Dungy's a great example of this. Tony Dungy leaves Tampa. They bring in John Groom. They win the Super Bowl next season. Tony Dungy's an Indy. He leaves Indy. They bring in Jim Caldwell. They're in the Super Bowl next season. So it is possible for these teams to continue to have good seasons. And if the defense continues to be elite and Jameis can continue to provide at least some efficiency, you know, it, it are, could they win games in the 17, 13, 20, 21 point range? I could see that happening. The home field advantage is still good. So uh, this is a top to bottom roster pick. I like their roster, but the infrastructure questions with Sean Payton, I don't think can be understated. Losing your head coach. Can't ever help. I'm surprised you have him at six, though. I know that defense is elite, but, you know, at, you know, losing your head coach, you got to take a little bit step back. We already know Winston's ups and downs. And if Thomas is out for even a little bit, like, you know, it, I mean, Chris Olave did show some things at Ohio State, but who knows? 
it's definitely another question mark team. And like we mentioned earlier, you know, once you get out of those top five guys, it's pretty much now, you know, throwing darts at a board, um, pretty much guessing. So, and they, and they, um, they beat the bucks twice last year. They beat them with Winston and they beat them without Winston. So if, if, if we're talking about teams, they have to beat, we know they can go toe to toe with those teams as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Good, uh, good defense for putting them high. So, um, next up, 10th we got the commanders and um this is the team that you know i could definitely see leapfrog some other teams you know i i just had them down here just honestly because of their just their reputation who they've been the last couple years um just also have a general distaste for washington in general um that is bias yes i do have bias but I mean, this roster, they it's not like they're they got no one, you know. McLaurin has always been someone to keep an eye on. I don't, you know, the defense still has their couple of pieces from a couple of years ago that we were going crazy about, but is this it? Is this it Rem for Wentz? Is this his last chance, last chance saloon? Is this his last chance as a starting quarterback in the NFL for their for your first take kind of hot take? Yeah, it, it absolutely 100% is his last chance in the NFL, and there's not even any guarantee that he makes it through the whole season. Sam, Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback. I just w- witnessed it firsthand for a full season, and he was in a good offense last year where Frank Wright was making yeah. sure that Carson Wentz didn't have to do anything because if Carson Wentz was going to have to do something, he was going to mess up. And oh, wait a second, we're in Jacksonville. We're needing to make the playoffs. Carson Wentz needs to step up, and all of a sudden we're losing and we're out of the playoffs. Carson Wentz is probably going to sink the ship here in, in Washington. Ron Rivera is on the way out already. I can't imagine bringing in Carson Wentz is going to save his job. So Ron Rivera is probably going to go. If Wentz struggles this season, like, you know, Sam Howell, he wasn't bad in the preseason. Oh could, be, could be interesting. Could we see You're Sam Howell this year? bro. Heineke almost beat the Super Bowl winning Bucks. So Wentz just needs to get – so Wentz gets benched for Heineke and then Heineke gets benched for Howell. Is that how it happens? Or Heineke keeps the starting job because he knows he got no one behind him. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, like you mentioned, this team we're not taking serious. Who? Where do you have them ranked? I, I have them at 11th. The roster top to bottom, it's good. It's why last year a lot of people thought that they were a sleeper team and we saw that defense two seasons in the playoffs go. You know, give Tampa some headaches. The pass rush was fierce. But Trey... Chase Young is already injured. He's going to miss the start of the season. Who knows what he looks like this year? And we saw that roster. It's like, it's a good roster, but with Ron Rivera's coaching and with a below average quarterback, it's just not going to do that much. And guess what? We're still there. Ron Rivera is still the coach. They still have a below average quarterback. So even with how good the roster is, we know from last season that if you call this team a sleeper team, you're going to get burned. I'm not going to get burned this year. Same, same. They're not a, they're not a sleeper team in my book. Um, not this year, and especially if Rivera gets knocked out of there and all their issues, it won't happen for them. I think we've hit the point in the list where, you know, the NFC, we're able to get cute with some of the rankings. You know, you got the, the Cardinals up at four. But regardless, we have our top group. I think everything from this point on is teams we're just kind of out on. Yeah. You know, maybe- I mean, we can quickly run through them. Um, I feel, I I feel like the playoff race is going to take place between – the the nine teams we just ran yeah did you want to give your whole list then top to bottom do we are we are we going to go speed round 
You want me to go? Yeah, one since to, we're one we're to... down, we're done breaking them down because like no one wants a Panthers, you know, a Lions breaking. Like we can just run through them. We this this pod's long enough. So you you have the the Commanders at ten. I actually have the Lions at ten. Okay. Their offense their offense is actually pretty good. It's really good this season. That line's going to be good as well. So if their defense can give them at least a little something, they're going to be a pain to play. So I have the Lions at ten, the Commanders at eleven, the Panthers at twelve. Even with the new QB, like. I just, I don't think it's that the Panthers are going to be the Baker Mayfield reclamation project, but could he get DJ more? Adam more 11. Could he get DJ more, more fantasy points? That's really what we want to know. And they are set up for us to buy into them. They play the Browns week one. They could come out with a win. Baker Mayfield, he's back on top. It won't matter over the course of the season. I have the Panthers at 12. I have the Giants at 13, Falcons at 14, okay. Seahawks at 15, the Bears at 16. Sorry, Bears fans. Wow. So you have, you have, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of surprised you don't have the Seahawks at 16, man. I mean, you really trust, don't do. trust Justin Fields that much. Trust the bears front office at all. And that's even with the new uh, GM, they fire Ryan pace in the off season. They hire Ryan Poles. They go through another draft where it's like, wait a second. What, what are they doing here? They don't feel like they're doing anything to help Justin Fields. And even though I still am a Justin Fields guy, I don't think at this point in his career, he's such a young quarterback. He needs still some development. He's not going to overcome a bad situation and just pull out wins that they shouldn't be winning. And if he gets there that this year, then it's like, you know, awesome. Great. We have a star quarterback. I don't see that right now for Justin Fields and the Seahawks still have basically the roster they had with Russell Wilson, yeah, you know, yeah. Metcalf and Lockett are still there. The, yeah. the defense has got some feisty pieces. So, I think honestly, just the the Metcalf and Lockett thing alone could push the Seahawks over the top, even oh, with okay. Drew Lock, even with Drew Lock as their quarterback. But that roster top to bottom to bottom is better by a little bit. And this Bears situation is disastrous enough. It's gonna fall totally apart at some point. And they're gonna end up, you know, in that top range. Uh they're gonna end up with like a top five pick in the draft at some point. So I'm calling it this year. Okay. I mean, I feel like, you know, the Seahawks, they feel a little bit more tanky than the Bears. I don't know. I think Justin Fields could show some things. And like I always mentioned, I like young quarterbacks who, you know, show have shown some flashes and, you know, maybe could improve. So we'll see. We'll see. I definitely, I'm definitely, and we're talking about like bottom second worst to worst here. So um, I know you'll probably put out some graphic or something, but uh, you want to go through one through 16 real quick. Yeah. The full, the, the full NFC rankings. I have the bucks at one. Rams to Packers, Eagles, Niners, Saints, Cowboys, Vikings, Cardinals. And then, like I just mentioned, Lions, Commanders, Panthers, Giants, Falcons, Seahawks, Bears. Man, you have the Cardinals really low. I think I think you really have the Cardinals low. Like, where, 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 where do you have them at? I'm in nine. Yeah, that, that's tough, man. That's tough. I don't know. I don't know. That might come back to bite you. I'm just letting you know. So the teams I have... Rams, 49ers, Packers, Cardinals, Bucks. Then we get into that next tier of Eagles, Vikings, Cowboys, Saints. Then kind of until mid-ish tier with Commanders, Panthers, Giants. And then just the bottom feeder, Lions, Falcons, Bears, and Seahawks. So I don't know. I Get the I, Lions I think, out of that bottom, bottom feeder tier. Put them in that, that mad uh, tier. They're going to nah, be mad man. this year. We'll see. We'll see. Once they stop trying to bite people's knees, I don't know. I'm, I, I definitely think, you know, so that, 
that's your thing for me is get the Lions further up. And I'm telling you, bro, those Cardinals, they're, they're going to come back to bite you. I, I really think you're going to regret it. We'll see. We'll see you this year. I don't know. Kyler might shut some people up. We're in on the hard knocks teams. I get the, the off-season hard knocks. You get the in-season hard knocks. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I don't. I haven't watched that in. A, I don't think I ever watched that, but it's definitely on my list. I definitely need to need to get to it. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it. You know, shout out to Wilson getting paid. It just put your money, pressure. Russell. What? Broncos country. Yeah, let's ride. Just puts more pressure on the Lamar Jackson negotiations because another quarterback is getting paid and an old one at that. Yeah. Keep an eye on that Lamar situation because who knows what's going to happen there. That, that could really, I mean, it could shift the league depending on where he goes. If he, if he leaves there. So, um, and we start Lamar to the Colts talks now at the end, you give it up. Do we slip it in Lamar to the Colts? Oh my goodness. Him and Jonathan Taylor just running all over everyone. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Shaq Leonard. That team becomes ferocious. That's a Super Bowl team, Sam. Uh, I mean, if Lamar Jackson was on the Colts, that's the best team in the AFC. Okay, now you're just high on your own. (laughs) You're just high on your own stuff over there, man. I'm telling you. Wildin'. I've been listening to a lot of people talking lately. By the way, got a shout out Podfather every episode. He's all the way in on the Chiefs. They're talking about, you know, them in the bunker, them working hard, low key. Mahomes has an O-line now. Team has a lot of pieces. And that defense, they got rid of their old guys. And that might have been what holding them back. Now they got, you know, I've always loved Juan Thornhill. Nick Bolton I've had some questions about, but maybe this is the year for him. Frank Clark and Chris Jones are still on that D-line. Edwards Hilaire, if he's healthy for a whole season. Who knows what those wide receivers show up? Bro, I kind of forgot Ben Roethlisberger was just a lame duck. So who knows, Juju? I'm talking myself into this season. I'm talking myself into a Super Bowl winning season. I'm, I'm listening to this stuff, and it's, it's getting me pumped right now. I don't know. Juju could be great. And you think about his size and his ability as a receiver. Sam, Pat Mahomes has had great success throwing to big receivers. I mean, Travis Kelsey? For example, I don't know exactly how they're going to plan on using him. You know, Pittsburgh had him in the slot. Didn't seem like it was necessarily ideal for him. Maybe you move him back into the outside, but maybe, maybe you get Juju doing some of the Travis Kelsey stuff as well. Maybe they're able to use him. I I like Juju in fantasy this year as a sleeper. I would not be against buying up the Chiefs stock. I don't know. Sources are saying, you know, Mahomes is listening to all this talk, all this talk about them being the worst team in the division. The Broncos and Raiders, like you said, Broncos country, let's ride. Everyone's high on the Broncos right now. You know, Chargers with all this MVP talk with Justin Herbert. People are counting out the Chiefs, and that's the worst situation. But best, you know, for people watching, but that's the worst situation to put a competitor like Mahomes in. And apparently he's watching all of it. He's seeing it, man. This next what? season, it's, it's revenge season. Light, light a fire under him before we go. The, the parting yeah. words. Motivate Pat Mahomes, Sam. He'll, he'll listen. He listens. So he'll I hear know. this. It will light a fire under him, and you will be responsible for the Chiefs' success this season. Patrick Mahomes. Last year was rough. We know injuries happen. 
and we still, you know, we still made the conference championship. We didn't have a bad year. All right. There was no pressure before you. It was rough seasons with Alex Smith. We were lucky to make the second round. And with you, just know you're always appreciated in Kansas City. We love watching you. We know we're living in the golden years right now. And let's go make another one. Let's shut up all these haters and show why. First of all, the Chiefs have had the most wins in the not last nine years. Reason we've dominated the AFC West the last 10 years. We've won, I think, pretty, I'm pretty sure we've won 10 years in a row. Just trust your man, Andy Reid. And we're, we're going to get it done. Don't don't be flinging it around. Easy passes. Run down the ball. Our defense is going to be better. Big trust. We're, I believe in you. I believe in you. And so does the team. And, you know, you're, you're, you're so far my favorite athlete of all time easily. Easily. You're, you're my Michael Jordan. But you got to come out here and show them. You got to shut them up. You're like, this is like, last year was like the break for MJ. So you got to come back here and shut up all these guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Rem and Sam. Stay tuned. Follow the pod. Hop on over to Instagram. Give us a follow over there as well. Most importantly, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Make them listen. And stay tuned. Be back for the next episode. We'll be doing more football. As always, football's in the air. Enjoy the rest of your day.